Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. In just a moment, hey, if you're watching online, take a, a minute and share this uh, feed with, with your friends. And let's just get the uh, message out that we can celebrate Easter together. And let me say this. I am so honored that you're here today. And what a beautiful day the Lord has given us to celebrate uh, Easter. And this is one of those special times of the year. I never want to take these things for granted because this is when our family comes together, our church family comes together uh, to really mark and celebrate uh, really what Jesus has done in all of our lives. Well, if you've been around Stevens Creek anytime, you know that I like to start with something funny. And so did you hear about the Uber driver that was working during Master's Week? He was going down Washington Road when the passenger uh, reached up and tapped him on the shoulder. Now, this scared him, and he screamed out, lost control of the car, almost hit a bus. He went up on the sidewalk and came within inches of hitting a building. And finally, the dust settled, and he caught his breath, and he turned around. And he said, don't you ever do that again. You scared the daylights out of me. And the passenger was saying, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I am so sorry. I'm so He said, no, it's me. It's me. I just got to be honest with you. This is my first day of driving Uber. For the last 15 years, I've driven a hearse. <laughs> you know, driving a hearse and somebody taps you on the shoulder, kind of scary. The funny thing is, I, I told that on Friday night, and, and this is a true story, and um, and then one of the teenagers looked over at his mom and says, what is our hearse? I think like, our hearse is a station wagon that carries a dead body. Oh, what is a station wagon? Oh, I'm, I know I'm over the hill with that. But I am so glad that you're here. Today we're celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have actually joined with over 2.2 billion people around the world to celebrate Easter together. And this goes back to the first century, when Jesus came on the scene. And Jesus came on the scene, and the disciples saw him and heard him, and they'd never heard anyone speak like Jesus. They witnessed him perform miracles. They saw uh, him do wonders. They invested their lives and their futures and their hopes in Jesus. But then he was arrested and he was crucified, and he died. And when Jesus died, it was like their hope died with him. And they were discouraged until they heard the Roman soldiers screaming. They were saying, this rabbi, this rabbi, we arrested him, we tried him, we beat him, we whipped him, we crucified him on a cross, he was dead, we put him in the tomb, and now he's alive, he's risen. With that in mind, we pick up the story of Easter from Mark chapter 16, verses 1 through 6. It says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, 
Mary, the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so they may go and anoint Jesus' body. Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb, and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. He said, don't be alarmed. You're looking for Jesus the Nazarene who is crucified. He has risen. He is not here. You see the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter. He is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you'll see him just as he told you. This story is about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the power that raised Jesus from the dead. But what you may not realize is that that same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available for you. This is what Romans 8 and verse 11 says. The Spirit of God, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Several months ago, Jay Krenz was at a low place in his life. And he experienced a power that was greater than himself. Listen to Jay's story in his own words. My name is Jay Krenz, and this is my story. I've been going to Stevens Creek Church for about 20 years. Um, my faith was pretty much my parents' faith. I never internalized anything. Half the time when I was in church, I'd be zoned off, um, staring into space, I never really listened. Um, I would almost consider myself an atheist. Like, you know, I, I just, I couldn't believe there was a God. So once I left my parents' house, um, I started partying all the time on the weekends drank all the time, and I had a lot of fun, I mean, when I got drunk, but after a while, I started to forget like, who I was. Um, I mean, I was in college that whole time, um, and I'd been uh, prescribed um, Adderall for my ADD. You know, it's really like steroids for school. So I took this drug to be able to be good at school and grew an addiction to it. Um, I was working this job, and I was out of my Adderall, and the guy was like, you know, I know this drug that um, has the same effects as Adderall, and the drug was meth. And I was like, I mean, I didn't care at that point. I was like, all right, let's do it. So I started taking meth. And uh, this whole time through the, 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 through the meth, um, nobody knew. Like, I was on it for three years, and my family, you know, my wife, nobody knew. Um, and I got to a really dark place. So my wife, she didn't know. Um, I ended up telling her and um, ended up going to rehab. It took a service here at Stevens Creek Church um, last year, the revival. Um, Pastor Marty, you know, laid hands on me, and from that moment on, um, things were different. Um, I no longer needed drugs. I'd, I had a new source of energy. Um, my life changed. It was a 180. I was a completely different person. Um, I could say the, the old me died. 
and a new me was risen. I had this energy, a new energy in me, um, and I couldn't explain it. Like, I knew for a fact, like, God's real from that moment, and it changed everything. The scripture where, you know, um, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains, and, you know, that, that little bit of faith to walk up to the front and Pastor Marty laying hands and praying over me, you know, it moved the mountain, it moved my addiction, like, it was gone, just, just like that. You know, I couldn't say it was because of my family. I mean, I couldn't say it was because of getting married. I couldn't say it was because, you know, my daughter's birth. Rehab, that couldn't get credit, you know, all the glory belongs to God. And if, it, if things didn't happen that way, I don't know what I ever would have believed. God had mercy on Jay, and Jay was set free by the power of Jesus Christ. When we talk about this power, this resurrection power, we're talking about a spiritual power, a power that gives you the ability to do things that you thought not, that you would never be able to do. When we think about this story and the story of Easter, I want to boil it down to one statement. This is really the big idea of this message, and it goes like this. The resurrection of Jesus is the power that enables people who have failed to move forward. That's the big idea. The resurrection of Jesus is the power that enables people who have failed to move forward. On Easter Sunday, the stone was rolled away, and Jesus came back to life. Now, I read those verses from Mark chapter 16, but I want to go back to that passage of Scripture and look at verse 7. This, this verse is very interesting to me. The angel said, go tell his disciples and Peter. The reason that is interesting to me, Peter was a disciple. So the angel could say, just go tell the disciples, and Peter would be included in the group. Why was Peter singled out in this verse? Peter was one of the most zealous disciples. Why did the angel say, go tell the disciples and Peter? I believe it was because Peter, in a moment of weakness, denied knowing Jesus on three different times. It all happened in the courtyard of Caiaphas. Just after Peter had boasted openly to all the other disciples saying, you know, you guys may fall away, but I'm going to be faithful. I'll be true to the end. And he had bragged about his commitment to Jesus. But then Jesus was arrested. And it was like the mood in the, the community changed in the uh, the sense and the crowd rose up and Peter caved under the pressure of the crowd. It was at this moment a young lady came over to him and said, there he is, he's one of them. He was one of those followers of Jesus. And Peter said, no, ma'am, no, ma'am, no, no. You're mistaken there. I don't know the man. And he denied him. That was once. And then it happened again a second time. And then a third time, the girl came over more emphatically and said, no, this is the man. I can tell by his accent. I can tell by his words. I know he's one of the followers. I'm certain he was with Jesus. And Peter got so upset, he started cursing and, and screaming. 
In fact, we see it in verse 74. Then they began, then he began, Peter began to call down curses, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately, the Bible said, a rooster crowed. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? That you had this level of detail, a rooster crowed. How's that connected? Next verse. Then Peter remembered, he heard the rooster, he remembered the word that Jesus had spoken. Jesus said, Peter, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And the moment that Peter remembered that, he went out and wept bitterly. So here we see this cocky, um, brash, boastful Peter who said, I'll never disown you. He caved and he turned his back on the Lord and he denied his faith. I want to ask you a question. I want you to think about this. Have you ever heard the rooster crow in your life? In your life. Have you ever heard the rooster crow? That is the moment when you realize that you have stepped out of bounds. That is the moment that you realize that you did something that you should not have done, that you said something that you should not have done, that you did not do something that you should have done. That is the moment that you realize your life was out of control. Maybe that moment happened when it was your with your parents, or maybe it was with your kids, or maybe it was with your brothers and sisters, or maybe it was with your spouse or with your best friend. That moment, the rooster crowed. Now, Peter realized that he had stepped out of bounds. He was ashamed. He was embarrassed. We dropped down to Luke 22. He said, then seizing Jesus, they took Jesus, led him astray, and took him to the house of the high priest. And notice these words. And Peter, Peter followed at a distance. Peter followed at a distance. For three years, Peter had a front row seat. For three years, he was, had a front row seat to see the miracles of Jesus. Peter had seen blinded eyes opened. Peter had seen deaf ears unstopped. Peter had seen lame people get up and walk. For three years, he had experienced this. But now things are different. Peter denied knowing the Lord not one time, but three times. And I am sure at that moment, he is thinking, how did I fall this far? How did this happen to me? Maybe that's your story. Maybe that's your story. You had it all together. Your life was on, you were on top of the world, but something happened, something happened, and your world started falling apart, and you remember that day. You remember that day. Yes, you would say, oh, yeah, it was July 4th, 2021. That was the day. Or, or no, it was March 17th, 2018. 
or, or worse than that, it was Memorial Day, yes. It was Memorial Day, May 31st, 1999. Yes, that was the day, and you played that scene over and over and over in your mind. That was the day he walked out. That was the day she said goodbye. That was the day that you uh, were arrested for DUI the second time, not the first. That was the day the rooster crowed. And you remember that moment. Now, there's another group of people that you cannot put your finger on exactly what happened. It's kind of a haze there. You don't know what happened, but slowly and surely you started to drift. It was like there's this undertow. It was like there's this undercurrent that pulled you further and further away from where you started It continued to pull you. Friends, listen to me. Most headline-worthy, tabloid-worthy, scandalous sins in your life do not happen overnight, but they gradually happen over time. That's when we start, like Peter, start following at a distance. We get in trouble. What happens when you get in trouble? You make excuses. Well, you know, I stopped going, it was COVID. I stopped going to church during COVID and, um, and I drifted. Or, or it was when I started dating this person, this girl, or started dating this guy. Or it was when I went off to college. It is when I moved. Gradually over time, there's this slow erosion. Sometimes it takes months and sometimes it happens over a period of years, but we drift. We drift. And we find ourselves doing what we thought we could never do, doing those things we said we would never do. Look, we've all made mistakes, and we have all blown it, but none of us have made mistakes like Peter. I mean, when Christ needed Peter the most, when Christ was at his most difficult moment of being crucified, that is when Peter abandoned him. And you would think, when you look at the whole scenario, that Peter would just missed his destiny. You, you would think that God wouldn't have anything to do with Peter from that moment on. But you've got to understand that when you make a mistake, God doesn't run away from you, but God runs to you. He didn't love you less, but he runs after you. On that first Easter Sunday, Mary went to the tomb, and the angel says, go get the disciples and Peter. Now think about it this way. God could have singled out anybody in the entire world at that moment for that angel to announce his resurrection. And in that moment, God, at this historic time, There's only one person that was specifically mentioned. Go tell the disciples and Peter. I believe it was like God was saying to Peter, Peter, I know you think that I'm disappointed in you and that I'll never have anything to do with you, but that's not who I am. God is saying to Peter, I am the God of another chance. I'm a God of another chance. When you fall, I come running. Uh, When you turn your back on me, I don't turn my back on you. 
on this Easter Sunday, I believe that God is saying to all of us who have fallen, to all of us who've made mistakes, he's saying to me, he is saying to you, I love you. I still love you in the midst of your mistakes, in the midst of your blunders, in the midst of your sin. I still love you, and I believe in you, and I am here to restore you. That's what happened to Peter. We see in John chapter 21, Peter was at a place where he was overwhelmed with regret. He recognized uh, his mistakes and his sin. And he ran to a familiar place. He got a couple of his buddies and said, let's go out on the lake. Let's let's go fishing. And and they went and they fished all night long, but they didn't catch anything. As they were headed back into shore, as the sun was coming up, they, they noticed over on the shoreline someone standing there, but they couldn't tell who it was. And that person said, hey, did you catch any fish? And they said, no, we didn't catch anything. He said, throw your net over on the right side of the boat. And at that moment, they threw the net. And as they threw the net, it was like uh, these fish were jumping in the net. It was so heavy that it took all of them to pull those fish into the boat. And Peter looked up and he recognized this was not natural. That was supernatural. And he recognized that Jesus was standing on the shoreline. And Peter Just impulsive Peter. He just dove in. I mean, clothes and all dove into the water and started swimming toward the shore. He got to the shore and he was cold and shivering from being in the water. And Jesus had prepared a fire, a coal fire. And Peter is there shivering, trying to warm up with this fire Jesus had uh, created It's interesting here. There's only one other time in the New Testament where it talks about a coal fire, a fire that has been fueled by coal. And that was in the courtyard of Caiaphas. That was when Peter was warming his hands that night and and they had arrested Jesus and Peter denied Jesus. And now at this moment, you know, when you smell something, oftentimes when you smell something, you It brings back a memory. I wonder if the smell of the fire on that beach that day brought back a memory for Peter. But on this day is different. Because this day he's looking into the face of one who had just worn a crown of thorns. He's looking into the face uh, of a man who has scars in his hands. He's looking into the face of a man who has nail prints in his feet, a man who uh, hung on the cross for him. And Jesus looked at him and said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus asked him this question, do you love me more than these? Jesus asked these, this question three different times. Now, why do you think that Jesus asked that question three times? I think it's because Peter denied Jesus three times. And Peter said, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, you know I love you. And then Jesus said something to Peter that I think he never expected to hear in a million years. He said, Peter, feed my sheep. 
which would in essence be saying, Jesus, uh, Peter, I want you to lead my people. I want you to lead my people. In essence, he was saying, Peter, I know you've made mistakes. I know you have failed, but I died on the cross so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be made new, so that you could have a power that's greater than yourself. Here's the point. God's love for you is bigger than your biggest mistake. God's grace for you is bigger than your biggest sin. I heard about this man that had this dream, and in this dream, he was in this large room, and it was like a library-type room. And it had, uh, like, filing cabinets, wooden filing cabinets that went from the floor to the ceiling, and he's dreaming this, looking in this, all these filing cabinets. He walked over and he pulled out one of the drawers. And each of the drawers were filled with index cards. And he pulled out an index card and he started uh, to read uh, that. And it all had to do with his life, something he had done. And he soon realized that everything in this room focused on him. It was about him. Every thought he had, every word that he spoke, every action, both good and bad, were recorded on the files in this room. There was a whole section devoted to things that he had done wrong. Everything he had done wrong, the times he had lost his temper, the times he had been unfaithful, the times he had cheated, all of his deepest and darkest sins were written on cards in that room. His first thought was, man, I've got to destroy these. I cannot let anybody see this. Nobody can see this. And he ran and went to rip and tear the, uh, the cards apart, but he could not do it. They would not be torn apart. It was impossible. And as he was sat there thinking about all of his failures, he felt so ashamed. About that time in the dream, Jesus walked in the door. Jesus walked in the door and he felt his love and he realized it was Jesus and he said, you're the last person I want to see right now. I'm really ashamed of everything I've done. Now Jesus walked over to one of uh, those file drawers and pulled it out and he took a card out and one by one, Jesus read the card and he took a pen and he scratched through the man's name, and he wrote Jesus, and then he wrote the word paid in full. The time you lied, he crossed his name out, wrote Jesus, paid in full. The time you cheated, he crossed his name out, wrote Jesus, paid in full. Before long, all the cards had been signed. And in this dream, this man said, Jesus, you don't have to do this. This is not even your room. This is not your mistakes. Jesus said, don't worry about that. The price has already been paid. It is finished. That's the message of Easter. That your sins can be forgiven. Because Jesus rose from the grave. Every mistake that you have ever made is now paid in full. 
Now, when will you stop trying to pay a debt that you cannot pay? There's only one way that you can find freedom from your sins. Get rid of the shame and the guilt. And that is in a relationship with Jesus. It's not an accident that you're here. It's not an accident that you're watching right now. There's hope for you. You may have failed like Peter. But God's power is available. And the only way to activate God's power is to believe. To believe the message that Jesus came to save you. You see, you've got to understand that Easter is for everyone. It is not just for those who are well-mannered and well-behaved. It is not just for those families that have great marriages and thriving families and wonderful careers, but Easter is for everyone. It's not just for those people that have good credit scores and those people that have good grades in school, but Easter is for everyone. At Easter, God was making a huge announcement that your sins are paid in full. Jesus came for you. This is the message of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. The message of Easter is for everyone. It's for all the people. It's for those of you that have a PhD and for those of you that are working on your GED. It is for those of you that are standing in an unemployment line and those of you that are living on a trust fund. It is for those of you who are single wishing to be married and those of you who are married wishing that you were single. It is for those of you that go to work in business suits and high heels And those of you that hang out in stained yoga pants and rainbows. Easter is for everyone. It's for those of you who like country music. And those of you who like rock music. And those of you who like rap music. Jesus is for everyone. It's for you. Whether you're black or white, whether you're Asian or Latino, whether you're Jewish or Arab, it is for you. It is for you who are atheists and those who are agnostic. It is for you who call yourself a Buddhist and those who call yourself a Baptist. It is for those who are Presbyterian and those who call themselves Pentecostal. It is for the Methodists and the Muslim. It's for the Lutherans and the Roman Catholics and the Hindus. Easter is for everyone. Hallelujah. So what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Put your faith in Jesus. When you invite Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life and to be the leader of your life, he'll do three things. First of all, he'll forgive you of all of your sins. Secondly, he'll give you the strength that you need to manage the problems that come your way. And the third thing he'll do, he'll secure the best possible future for you. Jesus came so that you could have life and you could have it abundantly. 
when I speak to you today, I realize that I'm speaking to a group of people that are all uh, at different places in the spiritual spectrum. There's a group of you that are seekers. Uh, you're trying to just figure out this God and Jesus thing, this, this uh, Christmas and Easter. And you came here because somebody promised you that they'd take you to lunch after church. And you're just trying to figure, and you've got a lot of questions. I want to say, come back next week because we're starting a brand new series called Life's Biggest Questions. And we're going to deal with some of the difficult questions of life. But that's what I want you to do. Just all I need you to do, just come back next week. But there's another group of people that, that have you sat through the music and have, as you've heard the message today, there's something going on on the inside of you. There's this movement, there's this pressure, there's this prompting. And it's like something going on. That is the Spirit of God prompting you to open up your life to Jesus. And you may not understand it, and that's okay. This is where faith comes in. This is where you learn to trust and you feel that prompting, you feel that urging. In a few minutes, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray, and I'm going to lead you through a prayer, a simple prayer. And you're going to respond to those promptings. There's another group of people here that I'm talking to, and it's those people that at one time, they had that, that joy in their heart, the joy of the Lord, the peace that passes all understanding. You knew what it meant to be a disciple of Jesus. But you drifted. You've just drifted. It could be over a period of months or maybe years. But you're here, and I'm just honored that you're here today. And I just want to say to you, it's time for you to come home. It's time for you to come home to Jesus, to rededicate your life to Jesus. It's time for you to come home to the church. There's another group here that as we prepare for prayer, and this is probably all of us, I want you to approach this closing prayer with this mindset. God, if you're real, be real to me. God, speak to me. God, speak to me. That's what I want. I just want you to say, all of us here, say, God, speak to me. And as we pause for a moment that we listen to his promptings and that we follow those steps. Just God speak to me. Well, it's time to pray. And I just want you to just be open to this moment. And so just in a moment of reverence, just uh, bow your heads. And just to clarify for those that I'm standing in the gap with and I'm praying for, how many of you would say, Marty, as you talk today, I just felt this prompting. I just need to make things right. I want to be saved today. I want to give my life to Jesus today. No one looking around. Just slip up your hand and say, Marty, you're talking to me. Let me see your hands. Yes. All across this room. Still others. You can put them down now. Anybody else? Yes. Okay, I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I sense your presence in this room. And I pray for the people represented here, the families that have gathered for this holiday service. But God, I pray specifically for those who are ready to take their next step, for those individuals 
that are ready to give their, the leadership and the lordship of their lives over to you. I want to lead you in a prayer. And if that's you, you may be in your living room or in this auditorium right now. And just say this. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say that. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Say this. Say, forgive me of my sins. I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, make me into the kind of person that you would have me to be. I give you my life. Say this. Say, I give you my past. And I trust you with my future. Fill me with your presence. And fathers, they pray that prayer. God, I ask that you would do as only you can do. That you would do a miracle in their lives. I pray, God, for the families represented here, for those people who are rededicating their lives. I pray, God, that you would cover this congregation with your peace. This is a special day, Lord. And I ask that you would just pour out your blessings on us today. All those that have gathered from all over this community and that we're here, God, come and pour out your presence and pour out your spirit upon us. And Lord, we respond to you by saying we receive what you have for us. We pray this in the strong name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen, and amen. God bless you and have a happy Easter. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to stevenscreekchurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.